0: Despite a Mercedes front row lockout, it was Max Verstappen who won in Mexico for a record-breaking third time today. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast, everybody. This is episode number 148, where we're going to be reviewing the Mexican Grand Prix of 2021. I'm your host, George Howson, and join me today are Jonah Gould from the Soft Tire Podcast. Hello. And Tom mm-hmm. Horrocks from the Monkey Seat Podcast. Hiya. Evening lads, afternoon lads. So before we get into the show, uh, I just want to say one of our competitions has been won and it is, of course, our super fan, Connor Walker. He's finally got something to show for all his dedication, all of his views and his comments. Uh, he wins a free mug courtesy of the Grid Talk store. So get in touch, I think, via Twitter or email. I think you probably have an email being sent to you, Connor. So thank you for all your support and uh, yeah, enjoy the mug. Yeah. Um, If you do want to check out some of our merchandise as well, you can go to f1chronicle.com forward slash store, where you can check out all of our mugs, T-shirts, hoodies, and I think there's a few other items on there for you guys if you want to show your support. But yes, let's get into the race itself. So, like I I said before, Mercedes had a front row lockout after qualifying, but in the end, it was Max Stappen again, Tom. And I think if anything, Mercedes, they probably have, better one lap pace they were set up for qualifying but in the race Red Bull looked clearly the fastest team
1: yeah, I think even in qualifying they looked like they were going to be the quicker car, but it was just some uh, some minor issues with uh, with the Red Bull and uh, Red Bull just really throwing qualifying away. But uh, the cynic in me would say that they knew what an advantage third place was going to be, and perhaps maybe starting behind the two Mercedes was probably the best thing for the race. I think ultimately though, Mercedes didn't have the pace for uh, for for Red Bull today. No matter what they did, they could have, you know, I think the Red Bull could have started you know at the back end of the top ten and still come through to win that race. So uh, I think there was it, there was little they. Could could do in the end, and uh, the right team definitely won on the day.
0: Yeah, Red Bull definitely looking the fastest team, and uh, obviously it, it really went uh, really went south for Mercedes very quickly after the start. Jonah, uh I think Bottas got hit by Daniel Ricciardo. Ricciardo lost his front wing. Uh, Bottas went right to the back of the pack, and Hamilton fell behind Verstappen. And the hot air—it I mean, was about fifty degrees temperature today. In In Mexico, which really didn't help out Mercedes, Uh, but but Hamilton just could
2: not get close to Verstappen throughout the entire race. Oh, he couldn't. He couldn't get anywhere close. And I mean, we've seen in previous years that that Mercedes car, especially this year as well with the new regulations regarding the floor, that Mercedes car has never been one that's too good at following another. Um, Not to mention now that it has a car on track that is at most circuits a little bit better than uh, the Mercedes. It's never been good at following uh, with not to mention, you know, the the highest circuit on the calendar when we when it comes to altitude over 2200 meters higher uh, than sea level. The Mercedes just wasn't suited for this track today.
0: Absolutely not. No, it really wasn't. It's always been a track that Mercedes have relatively struggled around. Hamilton won in 2019. But other than that, it's not been a great circuit for them, especially since we changed uh, to the current regulations in 2017. Uh, It's not been a good place for them. Not a happy hunting ground, but a very happy hunting ground for Red Bull. Third win. Uh, for Max Verstappen, nobody has won the Mexican Grand Prix more than Verstappen. Nobody even matches in now. The, the previous record was two for guys like Clark and Prost and Mansell. I think the three who held that record as well. Uh, very much a statement and intent as well from Red Bull. Tom. I mean, we we thought that Red Bull were going to be the fastest car going into this race, but to have it happen like this, to have the Mercedes. Lock out the front row, and Verstappen still power through. And Perez was right on the tail of Hamilton. If that race went a couple more laps longer, I think Perez would have got by for second place as well.
1: I think my notes for Verstappen uh, for this race were great. Start didn't see him again. I think that's the entirety <laughs> of my notes. He's just yeah, he's he was just absolutely un, unbeatable up there, managing his pace in the early in the early part. Uh, pitted when he needed to pit. Just was uh, just exceptional pace. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he had stuff in reserve as well. He's still asking to find out what other people's tires were like, and you know he's just just leaving no stone unturned. It was a, absolutely it was a champions' drive from Verstappen without a shadow of a doubt. So it was just no touching him uh, at all. I still think Perez um, probably. Should have done a little bit more. Yeah, uh, he, you know, he he didn't really have the pace at the early part of the race. Was dropping back from Hamilton, started to come back towards him, and even you know with a with a big tire offset, wasn't able to pass him. He had ten laps to pass him and and wasn't able to. So I think he'll be a little bit disappointed that he hasn't uh, gone with Verstappen there. I thought there was a time when uh, when he might have been putting on soft tires at the end and doing one of those typical Sergio Perez drives where he just uh, he just doesn't. Uh, doesn't stop for what seems to be an eternity, and then come through at the end. But uh, in the end, they went for the safe option. Um, but but yeah, I, I think probably he's slight going to be slightly um, disappointed in what his overall uh, his overall finish position was, as I think potentially second place was where his maximum was today.
0: He could have definitely gotten second place. Didn't quite get it in the end. They, they tried running him longer, get fresher tyres at the end. It almost paid off, to be fair. Uh, they had to try and do something different at the end of the day to try and beat Hamilton. Uh, that was the key. It was it was definitely a do-what-he-doesn't-do kind of order from the team uh, when it came to the pit stops. Um, but still a, a great day for Sergio Perez. and a great day for Mexico as well, Phil. Phil, welcome to the show. Uh, this is Phil from Grip Strip Podcast, GSP. And um, be yeah, a fantastic day for mexico i think something like three hundred and fifty thousand fans over the re- weekend which is massive uh, but to have a mexican driver lead his home race for the first time to have a mexican driver on the podium for the first time in his home race it, it's just a fantastic sight to see
3: yeah absolutely sorry for the delay the of course daylight savings time playing a role here um <laughs> those um, damn farmers I, <laughs> yeah you know whatever it is but for sergio perez This weekend, Mexico, best car he's ever been in at the Mexican Grand Prix, got to lead the race. He gave he gave Lewis a run for virtually the entire race. Um, You know, Max, I know you guys have already mentioned how he basically won the race in the first corner, basically, and dominated from there. Well, the battle was with Sergio and. Uh, Lewis, and to give a guy who's a seven-time world champion and 100 wins that much of a challenge, I mean, to be fair, I think it would have been over if they had actually been able to put their laps together yesterday. Um, Their owner and whoever their team principal wanted to whine and moan about uh, uh, the guy that he promoted up to the formula one, but in, in theory, the red bulls had the pace all weekend. Sergio Perez had pace and there were, we were talking about this for weeks about how motivated he would be to come here. And the fans showed up in droves. The last two races have proven that that one year without formula one, people love formula one. They want to see it. And in the Americas, it's a very healthy, uh, series, you know, and, uh, as long as Sergio Perez is going to be in a good car, I'm sure they're going to keep on showing up. And there's plenty of people who follow Max. There's plenty of people who follow Lewis, Ferrari, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And hopefully it'll be a more competitive or more wide open championship next year. And then it could be an even more intriguing Mexican Grand Prix next year. But this race was about Red Bull and Sergio Perez did a great job almost got that second place but they're only a point behind in the constructors with five four to go so it's it's game on and it's really looking like Red Bull might get the double now uh both the drivers and constructors championship for the first time since uh, 2013.
0: Yeah it's been a long time coming for Red Bull at the end of the day they've been knocking the door for a while but they're well and truly in there now yeah like Phil said it's One point Mercedes' advantage, I swear at some point in the season, he's about 50 points or so, but it's gone down to one point now, which is huge. In the Drivers' Championship, it's 19 points for Stappen's lead over Lewis Hamilton, so it's almost a race win, and there's only, uh, I think there's how many races, I think there's only four races left now, so it's yeah hamilton needs to get a win soon and we go to brazil next next weekend which again traditionally has probably favored max verstappen more than hamilton so it is worrying times for mercedes it only takes one race only takes a a retirement or a crash anything could happen of course but there is uh yeah it's not looking too great for hamilton at the moment uh what is looking great though at the moment is pierre gasly jonah i mean he benefited from the mix-up in the first corner And he got up to fourth place. And that's just where he stayed. And he's done this quite a few times this season. I think Zanvo did the exact same thing. And because of that, Alpine and Alpha Tauri are now tied in 106 points in the
2: Constructors Championship. So Alpha Tauri have a great chance of fifth place. Yeah, they do. And and as we were talking, this track completely favored the uh, the Honda power unit. Now, the out of the top four spots, three of them are occupied by Honda engines, uh, two of them being Red Bulls and the fourth being in AlphaTauri. Now, Pierre Gasly has shown his absolute consistency, not only his mastery of qualifying, but his just overall consistency race by race. He's been fantastic, I think, getting knocked out of that Red Bull seat and, and has really motivated him to be in a car that's not as good, but still get the maximum he can out of that car. Um, and the way that, you know, having the top four spots, three of them being Honda power units, you know, the, the turbo and the cooling system just was favored for the thinner air. Um, Pierre Gasly didn't put a fit, uh, didn't put a foot wrong. This whole race is fantastic. And uh, I really think that AlphaTauri has got a really good shot at this constructors because out of nowhere, Alpine's pace has kind of really gone out the window. It
0: has done. Yeah. Not even Alonso was able to get many points on the board for Alpine at the moment. He did get two today for ninth place, but. It did not look a great car to drive. The Alpha Tari looked powerful, it looked good. The like you, like you rightly point out, the Honda powered cars, the Red Bulls, and the Alpha Tari really suit this circuit. Maybe it's something to do with the temperatures and the high altitude and everything, uh, but whatever it is, the end result is very positive for them. Um, also a very positive result, and I'm sure you'll get no joy in talking about this, Tom. Uh, are Ferrari's result, fifth and sixth place today, very solid for them. Charles Leclerc ahead of Carlos Sainz. Uh, Dismal day for McLaren as well. They barely got anything to show for this uh, for their work today. But a great day for Ferrari. A very big points all for them. Yeah,
1: uh, it's it's just really underpinned the the advantages of that upgrade. And you know, in the battle with with McLaren, they weren't really in that fight today because McLaren did the best they could to take themselves out of that fight with Norris taking the engine penalty and and uh, and Ricardo. And obviously, we know what happened to him. So yeah, it's it's been it's it's really. Uh, it's a really good position for Ferrari to be in now. I think they're they're nailed on for that third place. I think they have been for a couple of weeks since that engine upgrade was shown in Russia to be so beneficial. We just knew that that Sainz and, and Leclerc, once they both had that and were free of engine penalties, that they were going to be pushing on till the to the end of the season. And uh, and Ferrari as a pairing today, uh, in the end, they showed good teamwork. Uh, I think uh, as usual it was carlos sainz who was given the alternate strategy uh, the they always seem to give the uh, the preferred strategy to leclerc and then the alternate to sainz and just make him go and try and do the best he could with a uh, what's perceived to be the worst strategy um, and as usual he put it to great effect and uh, and you know with uh, lap 43 13 laps to go uh, sorry 13 laps the younger tires and leclerc caught him and uh, and was was allowed past to try and catch Gasly. But the only slightly frustrating thing for me in this scenario was that they then told Science to then slow up and let Leclerc back through again, because I think with the pace he had, he would have got past Leclerc, without a doubt. And if they'd have been left to fight, he would have finished ahead of him. But the fact that they didn't allow them to fight, uh, Science was let through, but as he couldn't make enough ground on Gasly, uh, he was just allowed... He just told them he had to back off and then back through again, which is slightly frustrating, but equally... I can understand from a team perspective if they'd have let science through, um, or if they hadn't let science through and they'd have fought and ended up not gaining any positions at all, uh, or worse, coming together or people behind catching them, then uh, it would have looked worse for the team. So I think the team have made the right decision. Just the uh, the racer and me wanted to see them battle it out because uh, I think on an even footing. Um, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc are very evenly matched, and if that car is looking like it's going to be anywhere near as competitive as it is next year, then that's going to be a tasty, tasty battle next year. And I can see there being a lot of people, uh, a lot, a lot of fallout in that team next year. And I am really looking forward to seeing that. Not because I like to see Ferrari suffer, contrary to popular belief, but I, I do genuinely <laughs> want to see that, want to see that fight because I'm a big fan of uh, of Carlos Sainz, and I do think that Charles Leclerc is is a, is a great talent. Uh, if not, not the finished article yet, still pro. To mistakes, I think that science is the uh, the overall slightly better article right now. So uh, that fight is going to be epic next season. But yeah, Ferrari looking very strong for the constructors and a, a strong day, strong haul of points. And it's down to them now. If they lose this third place, then it's it's all on them. it's theirs to lose?
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: cat like reflexes. Some would say for Ferrari to uh, react to the situation there. Nice. Um <laughs> for the, for the, for those who are listening and not watching the video. Uh, Tom Tom's cat is just. <laughs> Just absolutely stealing the show in his uh, in his uh, <laughs> in his in his web camera there. He but, always uh, does it. Always does it. Every as soon as he time. hears
1: me talk, he's straight on my lap.
0: Yeah, I can relate. Tumbles are very similar in that regard as well. Um, but yeah, no, great day for Ferrari. They are ahead of, of McLaren now. I think the gap was three and a half points or something like that. Now it's an advantage of 13 and a half points, which. I mean, you don't you don't want to say that it's it's over by any means, but it is looking very positive for Ferrari at the moment, Phil. I mean, I, I think I think we we're talking about before for the show. Just um, if Ricardo had the kind of pace that he's had all season, then McLaren probably would have been clear, but he hasn't. I mean, he's only got his pace now really to show for it. Um, but yeah, Ferrari looking good, and both of the drivers doing a solid job. Really, I mean,
3: fifth and sixth place—they didn't really look that troubled at all. Really, from behind. Yeah, I mean, behind Gasly's usual quiet, unassuming, no around nobody race that he has and getting a top five finish, the Ferraris have, these last few races have responded. Uh, McLaren definitely had the upper hand in the first half of the year. Lando had gotten all the way to where he probably would have won the Belgian Grand Prix. But ever since his qualifying crash there, um, he has not been the same guy, to be fair. Um, yes, Daniel Ricciardo won the Italian Grand Prix, but even then, and he had a great weekend at the U.S. Grand Prix just in general. But Ricciardo hasn't been able to show up all year, as you said, George, and that's been a problem. Lando now has fallen back a little bit, and things are not going as well for them. They don't have the pace at a lot of these circuits. I think uh, Brazil here next this coming weekend or next weekend will – will kind of be a, a a litmus test for this last four races um, in what McLaren, if they can respond. Uh, because if they can't, Ferrari has the better overall team. Tom mentioned it just now. They've been running very well for most of the year. They've had a couple of hiccups here and there. Of course, Charles Leclerc, you get the boom and bust potential with him, but he is a great driver. And Carlos Sainz has become this very consistent uh person and uh doing what he has to do and he always and he's a grinder and ferrari needs that kind of driver you know they kind of have the right combination we've been talking about this all year and right now as it stands to win this third and constructors championship ferrari has definitely has the upper hand not only on points not only with the drivers but it looks like their car is better now with a couple of new races coming along here in the next few weeks that could kind of change things up. Uh, but, you know, it, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's been nip and tuck all year between these two. Um, I think McLaren will have a response. And it, it, it'll it go all the way down to Abu Dhabi uh, for the final race to see who gets third in the Constructors' Championship, I feel. Um, because it'll be little points here and there. Something weird could happen uh, up front with the top two teams. They could get some more points bigger points and it could change things up
0: Yep, definitely hope the uh the battle for third place keeps going in that regard I don't want it to be over for the final round um but yeah so next up we have seventh place uh Sebastian Vettel actually surprisingly given uh, Aston Martin's real lack of pace in recent rounds but Jonah it looks a lot more positive for him this time again he kept his nose clear he he steered clear of the danger in turn one and reap the benefits for it six points on the board for him today
2: yeah, he did. I mean, we've seen Sebastian Vettel, uh, you know, he's a four-time world champion. There's there's no doubting the skill that he has in any car he's driven. Uh, and, and the Aston Martin, obviously, with the, the floor regulations coming in this year of really affecting the low-rig cars, it's really, really put a toll on the two Aston Martins. I mean, being Racing Point last year, doing so well, giving McLaren a run for their money, it's really, really hindered the Astons. And Sebastian Vettel has shown all season that no matter the machinery, he'll try and get the best out of it that he can. Um, tied right now with uh, Fernando Alonso, for uh, I think it's 104 overtakes, the top overtakers uh, this year. Uh, just I mean, it just shows how good he is with whatever he has to drive. And P7 starting from I guess you could say strategic pole position in P11, um, but going up to P7, you know, avoiding all the the incidents in Turn One and, and doing what he can. I think you can't fault him for what he did. He's really shown his consistency in that. I, I don't think he's been the same Sebastian Vettel since. Germany 2018 when he just kind of drove off the road and lost his title um but I think he's kind of showing the old Sebastian Vettel that we saw in the Red Bull days
0: yep some would say that he's got his mojo back he's uh yeah he's definitely doing the best he can in that car and it is not the best car by any means uh Aston Martin they're just kind of stuck in seventh they're not going to get overtaken by Williams but they're a long way behind the Alpines and the Alpha Tauris um and another guy who's getting the absolute best out of his car is Kimi Räikkönen in eighth place again. Tom, you know he's dragging that car into places it doesn't really deserve to be. It just sort of hung around the back end of the points and just ran his tyres and got eighth place. It's it's not bad at all. Not bad. Not bad for an old man at the end of the day by F1 standards. No, uh, this is probably the
1: most impressed I've been with Kimi all season because uh, people will know that I'm not his biggest fan. Uh, but yeah, he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely had a, a good race today. And he's uh, was it he he was up to tenth on lap one. Uh, he made a nice pass on George, a really nice pass actually around the outside, and uh, and managed uh, his middle stint well, and ended up you know some decent points, uh, which is uh, very unexpected for say for the old man as you say. So uh, so no, he's um he, he's had a good run, as uh, it, it, I think it's probably it's probably likely to be his last result unless we get some crazy conditions in uh, in brazil and he uh, and he pulled something out of the bag there but uh, like like he did back in 2007 but that's that's a long time ago now and we haven't seen that kind of form from from kimmy for a while but it's uh, it's a uh, it's an improvement, I say. He was starting back in 14th, so pulling into the points from there without, you know, without, with only just the two DNFs, one of which started behind him anyway. In fact, I think both started both started behind him. So it's uh, impressive performance from Kimi. Uh, definitely one that's kind of gone against the grain of his uh, of his season as a whole. He's had the odd flash in the pan where he's looked decent, and then he's had races like he had in in Austin where he's just thrown away points uh, for for no reason. So it's uh, and obviously the, the team hasn't helped it. Ralph Romeo have have worked themselves into some positions this season where they've just just been tactically inept at times it seems but uh, but yeah it's uh, shoots of recovery for for Alpha Romeo potentially for next season we don't know that with new regulations coming in they might end up making a big jump uh, and it's just it's just waiting to see who's going to be Bottas' teammate in that car really to see what uh, what we're going to see from them next season but uh, yeah good good performance all around from Kimi though.
0: Yeah, definitely a good performance by him not a great performance by Giovinazzi I think he was up to 6th in the very early stages it just sort of faded yeah. away as it went on it, I mean I, I was just watching him and just thinking this guy's not got a seat for next year it, and you just like to feel like he'd be trying a bit harder maybe if he if it was up in the air or if he had it but it doesn't seem like he does yeah uh, <laughs> but uh, one guy who does have a seat for next year at alpine is fernando alonso phil and again it's we've, we've mentioned a few times about how the car is is not good they've they're another team that's kind of slipped behind a bit like aston martin have as well but alonso to his credit still got two points it's not a bad day and it does keep them level with alpha tari because of that
3: yeah you don't want to get passed by an alfa romeo in that spot but you know being around his you know compatriots, fellow champions, and that battle was one of the only things that they were really focused on at the end of the race there, because that was one of the only battles that really was existing the whole day. Uh, going and getting the most out of the Grand Prix for them, uh, Ocon uh, wasn't able to score, so then you needed to go and get some points. The, the reality of, is they are going to have to bring more to the table, and maybe they just don't care. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't I mean every dollar counts in Formula One so every dollar every point is every is a dollar there's a dollar value to it Um, they're gonna have to do better here these next four races if they don't want Pierre Gasly basically to overtake them I mean to be fair about Yuki for all the wine he did have a good weekend this weekend um, up until qualifying and so the notion is if he's starting to figure it out now, and now you're going to new circuits where it's like nobody else has an advantage, which they will have for two of the last four races, it, it plays in, in Alpha Tori's hands. So, uh, two points, you beat a McLaren, um, uh, to the chagrin of Tom, but the fact that, uh, you got those points. We'll see what happens here in Brazil next week. If Alonso can pull one out, um, he's, he's basically done the best he could all year. Uh, so, I mean, and he's beaten his teammate routinely outside of one race. Basically he's beaten his teammate, uh, for the majority of the season. So, um, that's really what your litmus test is. So Fernando Alonso still has it. So we'll see what they have the rest of this year and into 22.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you just know that Alonso, if we're going to get another crazy race in Brazil, he'll be one of the guys to capitalise on that. Um, Not the worst day for him by any means. He's he's got something to show for it, but not the best either. Um, And definitely a very bad day for McLaren as well. Again, this is going to pain you to talk about it, I'm sure, Jonah, but uh, 10th place of Lando Norris, the only point for McLaren today. That's not too terrible in itself, given where Norris started, but obviously Ricardo, he started up there had the contact in turn one, went to the back of the field. And aside from, aside from doing his absolute best to keep Bottas behind all
2: race, we didn't really see that much of him. No, I I mean, it's as a McLaren fan, I guess there's really only one word to describe this day and that's just pain. Um, I mean, you know, I I saw it the other day when, uh, when they said Lando was going to take his engine penalty. And I mean, in my opinion, it's probably not the most strategic idea to do it now, um, I think they could have done it a couple races ago, but that's just my opinion. I mean, starting from the back, at least he scored a point that just shows that he's still got the pace that everybody knows Lando has. And he's still getting the most out of a car that at the moment appears to be fourth best. Um, and it's, it's really, it's still impressive, but as a McLaren fan, I was sitting on the couch watching this race, like, Oh my God, could this get any worse? um so it's a little hard to look at and a little hard to see that we're only getting one point for the entire team and I mean it's good to see Lando's you still you still got the pace you can still pass people the McLaren isn't slow by any means it's just looking like it's not as fast as the Ferraris which is uh I'm sure Tom you feel the same way as I do as pretty pretty big McLaren fans this is not what I want to be seeing at this point in the season well at least it's not 2017 that's all I'll say
1: (laughs) I was yeah. thinking the exact same <laughs> yeah. thing. 2017, 2018, <laughs> that was horrific.
0: Oh, we, God. Know, we know how bad it can get. And We're getting into they're... Q3, that's that's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy for that. <laughs> well, the thing is, McLaren have scored more points this season at this point than last season. It's just that Ferrari are doing so much better. That's the thing. McLaren are improving every year. It's just that some of the opposition have improved massively, uh, notably Ferrari, of course. So, yeah, it's not we want to see. Just move on to the next one. Brazil's up next. Hopefully, it'll favor the car, but Ferrari seems to have the upper hand. But who knows? Who knows? You can't predict this season at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, it's so like I mentioned before, Antonio Giovinazzi, he, he was up there in the top 10, slipped back, ended up just outside the points at P11 for like the 20th time this season. I swear he always <laughs> finishes there. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know what his results are, but it always seems like he's 11th place. <laughs> he just misses out on points. Um, Esteban Ocon, he was 13th. and lucky for some bit of a nondescript day for him as well. Didn't see him other than getting lapped. Um, Lance Stroll, he, I think he fell. I think he fell back earlier on. Uh, I'll, I'll throw this one to you actually, Tom. So Lance Stroll, two laps down. Not a great day for him. It's it, it's it's not what he wants really. He seemed to. Did he have some sort of incident at the start? He was really far back there, or did, was it just because of his engine change?
1: Yeah, he, he he lost he lost some games at the restart. Uh, he was he's he had a, an average start, didn't really gain many places, but uh, but he was he was kind of in the mixed in the mix rather. And then at the restart after the instance, he he lost anything that he gained and end up back there again. Uh, he he stopped early. He stopped on lap thirteen, so uh, he was the either the first or the second in, I think maybe. Uh, and obviously that was a bit of a nothing strategy. Didn't really gain him anything. And whereas I think they've you know. Aston Martin are doing a more extreme version of what Ferrari are doing, where they're putting one driver on one strategy and one on the other. The difference of Aston Martin is they don't seem to know which one is a preferable strategy, so they're just kind of saying, "Oh, well th- one of these two and then just sticking them on, on the cars. And then obviously, Vettel benefited, benefited from a decent strategy, and Lance Stroll has been uh, has been the sacrificial lamb in this sense with uh, with the with the bad strategy. Uh, and yeah, he didn't he, he didn't really see him after that. Say so stopped for Hoz. I don't think uh, he may have made the second stop. I to be honest, he. would completely i uh, completely lost track of him after after his stop because he just ended up nowhere um so yeah a bit, bit of a shame given how well vettel did uh we did see a, a, ni- a nice overtake on uh, was it george russell uh, no nah, he made a good overtake on someone at one it was point the TV. it was the, the, TV, it was the TV, two yes. canadians battling it out two canadians like with the rich daddies yeah that's right
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> jonah's not looking too happy right now
3: <laughs> sorry so, jonah
2: I yeah. mean, it's just it's just like the only way I look at it is God. The two guys wrapping the flag that I have behind me is like, that's what they're known for. I mean, I don't blame you because you're not wrong. It's just damn. Where's the days of Gilles Villeneuve or Jacques Villeneuve? Where are yeah, those shit.
3: Canadians? You go you go from Jacques Villeneuve to <laughs> to Villeneuve. Stroll and Latifi. Uh, it's a shame. Yeah, but at but least I... you don't have you're not Russia, so you're not Russian, so you don't mm. have to worry about egghead. <laughs> Nice, everybody's favorite house driver. Yeah, nobody asked him Martin was rushing
1: this
0: weekend. Hey, right, okay. <laughs> on <laughs> that note, <laughs> on that note, let's move on to. <laughs> let, let's move on to Valtteri Bottas, who when it when it rains, it absolutely pours for him. It started on pole got hit by ricardo to the back of the field that he just 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 like monza just like monza the mercedes could not pass the mclaren all race but the difference being this time that it was it was like 15th place and it just ruined his afternoon the, the only the only good thing for him is that I, I think in the end he got fastest lap fill after a lot of unlapping and relapping of verstappen
3: Well, i, I guess that's a good thing at least they stole that one point back from red bull after a <laughs> demolition uh i mean what a sad sad thing for porridge it's uh, it it doesn't matter no matter what valtteri botas does he does a good thing he, he goes and sneaks through gets that pole, and he runs well all weekend and then it all comes unglued on the start uh if he had moved over a little bit and juked max into the grass it might have been something but instead he left him enough room and not only did he leave him enough room, he then made himself vulnerable to get run over, and he did. And from there on, it just was a disaster um, between the the short delta time and the for pit stops and then the DRS trains that come through, plus the lack of ability to cool everything down. It was just a nightmare scenario. It was basically what Lewis was dealing with all day, except like a hundred times worse and probably with damage on his car that nobody really knows about to the floor or something. And I mean, he's running out the string here. He didn't deserve that. Um, I mean, he probably would have gotten a top five finish if he had actually gotten through the first uh, set of corners, but just an unfortunate deal for Valtteri Bottas. And, I think it's kind of the conversation we've had for about half the year. You know, something happens or he just has a nondescript, awful race. And those are races where Red Bull responds. Uh, It's that has to flip. You know, if, if Mercedes wants to keep the constructors championship, because I'm not really thinking about the drivers anymore. If this is strictly about keeping the constructors championship, they need both cars up there. That's the only way. And Valtteri Bottas has to perform um it wasn't his fault today there's been in, in instances where it hasn't been his fault and then there's been days where it's been him um uh, yeah I don't know I mean Mercedes has to go back to the drawing board and uh between this race and and uh Qatar uh these next two races which is just a great job in scheduling logistics I can only imagine the geniuses who came up with the Mexico to Brazil to Qatar uh gimmick um, in the scheduling, instead of just doing US, Mexico, and Brazil, take a week off and then go and do the all the races in the Middle East, which would have made sense, but that's beside the point. We'll see what happens with that, but Mercedes, it's not a good track for them in Brazil relative to Red Bull, um, but Bottas, he, qual- he does well. He does well all the way up through Saturday. Let's see what he can do on Sunday, though, next week.
0: Yeah, in fairness to Bottas, this wasn't really his fault, but he also did not help himself after the first lap. It, yeah, he was a McLaren. It's not a slow car by any means, but just kind of expect better. You just think to yourself, if that was Hamilton in that place, it probably would have got eighth, maybe, something like that. It's not easy around Mexico, but it, you would think he would have done better. But at least he finally got the fin- uh, fastest lap. No point for it because he's outside the top 10, but he got the fastest lap accolade for this weekend. Um. Yeah. And uh, again, another guy who uh, did fairly well in the early stages, but just faded back. But I think this time was more the car than anything. George Russell ended up in 16th place and Nicholas Latifi 17th. It's a bad day for Williams. But at the end of the day, like we keep saying, Jonah, at least least the eighth in the constructors, And despite Keir Reikner's points, they still look pretty safe for that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see the Williams have points at all, you know, um, mm. it doesn't matter if they got them today. It's just just nice to see them have some points. Uh, I mean, we've seen George, you know, George Russell's qualifying pacer or, or George Russell's pace over one lap is, I mean, probably one of the best in on the entire grid. Doesn't matter if you stick him in a Williams doesn't matter if you stick him in the Mercedes like they did secure last year. His pace over one lap is barn on one of the best. I mean, I don't think I've seen a lap as good as that since Hamilton in 2018 did it around Singapore. But, you know, his pace is fantastic over one lap, but the car lets him down, I find, every time. There's only so much George can do until you get into race pace, when instead of doing one lap to get yourself up there, you have to do seventy one, um, and then the car just lets him down, and he starts to fade back. Latifi, I, I mean, as much as he's basically like you know a Canadian hero over here, um, he we just we don't expect that from him. We expect the pace from George. We know George can do it. He's put that Williams on a podium twice. Um, which I mean on the best day that Williams is the eighth fastest car on the grid on its best day. Um, But it's really hard to keep a car that has no business being where George is putting it there for that long. So, I don't really expect him to get many points. Seeing him up there for a few laps is nice, but the car lets him down every time and there's really not much he can do. That's why I stick him in the Mercedes next year. Hopefully, I don't want to say hopefully Mercedes keeps up their form because it's been seven years of them winning, but I'd like to see George do well. And unfortunately, he doesn't have the car to do it, um, but maybe next year that all changes.
0: Definitely a better car for sure next year. And it would be very good to see him alongside Lewis, Lewis Hamilton in the same car too. That'll be very interesting to see that battle. Um but yeah, uh, let's and the last the last finisher, um, you know, what, I w- I should, according to the rotation, I should go to Tom. But you know what, I'm going to go to Phil for this. As God you know, bless you, George. God <laughs> bless you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get to talk about Sonoda after that. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> the last finisher, three laps down, uh, Nikita Mazepin, of course, uh, Phil and. It was not a data room for him. No, Ma- Mick Schumacher, of course, retired in the first lap. So I'll let, let, ha- let you have at it.
3: I mean, I'll I'll say that the Haas cars in NASCAR right now, they're racing at Phoenix, are doing pretty well. So that's good, uh, <laughs> because the Formula One cars don't show up to race usually, or at least one doesn't. I know Mick did, but um, he flew over Esteban Ocon's front end, along with Yuki Sonoda, Unfortunately. Um, I mean, it's like, whatever. He finished three laps down. I mean, I, I, they, there, there should be some sort of flag. There should be a new flag just for him, you know, just like a a skull and crossbones or some some sort of thing like just like pirate flag or something. <laughs> just just come up with some flag for him. There should be a separate flag for him because they have the blue flags, and we don't know how effective the blue flags really are. In, in, with, with, in regards to making those passes for the leaders on lappers. But when it comes to him, he needs like another flag. And I it either has to be like a clown face or a skull and crossbones flag. Because if you're getting lapped that many times in a, in a Formula One race, you have to be at a level that's so bad that um, I could drive my Kia and beat you. And that's fundamentally a questionable thing. You know, I don't have a 1.6 liter turbo with all the charging. I don't have all the recharge, all this stuff. I don't have all these other tech and gizmos. My seating position is definitely not the same as a Formula One car. I know it doesn't turn through the corners as well as a has might, um, but um, when it comes to to him, it's it's quite a experience and. It's you definitely have to be drinking a lot of vodka or whatever the best choice is for Vladdy and his crew to make that seem like it's palatable or that he's actually a professional racing driver. But hey, they make up the back of the grid. They're willing to pay the trillions of dollars to race and make themselves a, make fools out of themselves on a weekly basis and let people like me who like to pontificate and goof on people like Egghead go and speak about. His, his amazing ability to suck on a, on a weekly basis, which he is consistent at and has been his whole life. So um, four more races of him doing that this year, many more years of him doing that, probably until Haas folds. Um, but uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm just glad that the Stuart Haas cars are running well in the NASCAR race right now, because if not, it would be a pretty ugly situation for uh gene and all the hundreds of millions of dollars he wastes to run tailback
0: <laughs> oh never never ceases to amaze as uh, phil's grants about has and um, i would love to see that though you know how like they have the um, the stewards investigating you know, or like a black and white flag for somebody just the clown flag for not and benign that's what i want to
3: see at the top um no it'll just be an egg with his face superimposed on it and then then he'd be like oh that's me i need to move over then he might actually re- respect it instead of the stupid blue flags because he can't see them or he must be colorblind that might be his excuse um so if you put an egg with his face superimposed on he might move out of the way better uh,
1: can, can we just appreciate that he was in the 11th place on lap one and then he was yeah. lapped and last by lap 20. <laughs>
0: that's pretty bad isn't
3: it even by this he's (laughs) consistently terrible
1: considering four laps of that was under safety car as well
3: (laughs) what did he shut his car off for like no no,
1: I mean it made a pit stop but then so did everyone else or most people anyway but
3: there we go what was their pit stop for an hour like how do you go and get lapped in (laughs) Uh six laps I mean I mean I know he's he's horrible but it's like six laps I mean I get that's a lo- a short lap there. It's not like Red Bull ring where it's like literally a minute and, and a couple seconds. You have to do a little bit of work there. He probably gets kind of eh, well, I'm not even gonna go. I like
1: think it was fourteen <laughs> laps from the restart to him being lapped. And he was eleventh at the restart. So that's and an last average. What,
0: what was it? That's One minute like f- fifteen a lap. Yeah, about that. So it's about five five and a seconds half seconds a lap. lap. Yeah. Wow.
3: <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> He's going to get lapped like five, six times this week coming weekend at Brazil then at that rate. That's, that's an
0: even show lap, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He's
3: yeah gonna get, and he's going to get in the way of Max Verstappen. He's going to get in the way of Verstappen. He might go and Ocon him, which would be great for, for the world championship. Um, and that fight would be hilarious too to see Max Verstappen, Yas Verstappen, and then the Mazapins for the douchiest people on earth all sitting together. <laughs> that would be great oh we can't we, we can't oh here come the haters like oh well
0: <laughs> oh right um so <laughs> i think we've probably mentioned him a few times but the last guy we're going to talk about is uh the last one we've not talked about is uh uh yuki Tsunoda. tom uh I, I personally didn't see the incident because i missed most of the first few laps of the race but uh was this his fault or was this just him getting caught up in a first lap incident uh, yeah, it was uh, completely not his
1: fault. I mean, it was it was a sandwich with Ocon, Sonoda, and Schumacher. The three of them were all involved. And uh, Ocon was the only one who actually continued out of those three. Um, it was a rear, rear left rear suspension failure. Um, got uh, launched up in the air. And then you could see the, the left rear are hanging in midair from the onboard of Ocon. I think it was just one of those first lap incidents. Nobody was really to blame. Yeah. Uh, so in the race, no, he was yeah, he was just trying to just trying to get punchy. But I do have a bit of a, a bit of a um Yugi Snow the Sympathy Corner going on today because I think that he's had a really bad rap this weekend and the way that he's been spoken about by people that pay his wages, quite frankly, is just disgraceful. And yeah. I I'm um, mm. I'm just a bit the guy literally jumped out of the way of Of Sergio Perez like left the track to make sure he wasn't in his way and Perez was you know he he made the mistake it was his error he's the one that decided he was he was going to miss his breaking point and go off track but then for Karen Horner to then come out and just blame Sonoda for for Verstappen not being on pole at the point at the end of the first sector Verstappen was 2.7 tenths off Hamilton's time and then they had the gall to blame a third sector incident on Verstappen not being on pole when he was two cars back from the incident. I mean, he say yeah, he said he backed out of it. But yeah, he they said he was two tenths up. Yeah, he was two tenths up on his lap, which was half a second down from Hamilton's. So, mm. no, I'm sorry. It you cannot blame Yuki Snowden for that. And when you've got a guy who's low on confidence as it is, he's he's starting to turn the corner. That's why it's known as the Red Bull meat grinder because people say, oh, they stick by their mm. drivers and t- treat the drivers well. No, they don't. They use them as scapegoats if it, if it suits their agenda. And frankly, I'm really getting fed up with Red Bull's attitude towards young drivers because they're, they're, they're not bringing young drivers into the sport. They're killing them. They're, they're killing their careers. So, um, I yeah, I'm ju- I am just rant over. I just need to step back. In the back case for 15 years. Before I demonetize this, I need to step back.
3: <laughs> been... been- been the case for 15 years. They've they've treated drivers all over this world that way, and there's a reason why a lot of them leave the Red Bull family, in a sense, and then go elsewhere, and they do just fine. And it's one of the many reasons why I dislike people say I dislike every team and every driver that listen to the show. I definitely don't. There are certainly people I do like, and I do goof on one particular guy, which makes it seem like I like him, but I don't. But in the case of Red Bull, I don't like them and it's the way they treat people and they're just their arrogance and their whiny mm. nature and this though the way they treated Yuki sonoda this weekend was pathetic. He's having one of his best weekends of the year. Tom said it eloquently of course, but it's like leave leave the kid alone you know you want him to compete with four races to go, possibly you know put something together maybe give himself a chance at at in the driver's standings right now he's He's not going to get 10th. I mean, he he could go and pass uh, Lance Stroll, get another place. If he could put together a couple of really good points scoring, if he can get a couple of fifth place finishes, you never know. But, I mean, it's just out of control. You know, Red Bull screwed up their strategy. They always have to come up with an excuse when it doesn't go their way. They blame anybody and everybody but themselves. You have the best car, the best team, the best driver. You effed up, and you still got away with it anyway. So they should be grateful for that, and they should be grateful they have Max because they have nobody else in the pipeline that really speaks that is going to be a Formula 1-ready candidate, especially if Gasly decides to leave. Um, they don't have anybody, and that's why Sergio Perez really goes to a big rumor. Oh, he may not be there. No, no, no. He's going to be there. He's going to be there for a few years because they don't have answers, and mm-hmm. um, it's because of what they've done to drivers over a decade and a half and continue to do. Um, It makes me fear for the likes of Jack Crawford, who was in that system. Um, You know, if he gets Scott speeded and then he goes and but at least Scott speeds made a career elsewhere. You know, it's not like, you know, the, it's just uh, unfortunate. And and it's just typical Karen Horner BS and France toast and, and one eyed, whatever his name is, uh, the heck the idiot, the other idiot. (laughs) Um, I'm guessing one-eyed. how about Marco Hell, one yeah, yeah one-eyed <laughs> one-eyed Marco the three the three stooges of douche with Red Bull they all <laughs> sit there and they they all cry and moan about their drivers but they're the reason that these guys will make it as much as the drivers do and you make these crappy cars that are only made for one person and of course things like that are going to happen so I mean it's just it's it's ridiculous you're about to win both world championships and you still can't do it with any level of class it it's in and people want to whine about Mercedes or people wanted to whine about I mean even Ferrari in their heyday for how annoying it may have been at least they had some semblance of class minus when they would try to arrange finishes um this Red Bull it's like there's a reason why they were nobody a nothing team for many years and were on nothing teams as a sponsor um and now they get the best of it and they're still not not have no class and it's like whatever i'll never root for them and max or will be world champion multiple times over but won't be because of anything of great significance it's just because of his driving ability really
0: yeah i i completely agree with everything you guys have said to be fair it is it does suck how badly they've treated Sonoda with everything with everything that he's you know gone through it you know the kid he's only he's only 21 years old i think something like that just let him it's his first season just let him just drive it needs to be out of the spotlight don't thrust him back into it again with all the pressure you know that you never know and that could have played on his mind today maybe if he was 100 focused he might have avoided the incident it wasn't his fault by any means but you never know little things like that can make a difference in sport and it's it, it could be easily avoided so yeah i do feel for the guy um but he does have, he is safe for next year at least, as on paper anyway. He does have a contract for next year. Um, so hopefully, hopefully he'll get some better results soon. Hopefully, he'll see our race and get another points finished because the Al-Petari do need it. You have a very, very realistic chance of getting fifth in the constructors now, and that'd be very big for them. Um this season's gone. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's all the teams and all the drivers. Um, let's go through who our driver of the day is and I'm honestly, I can't really look past Max Verstappen. It's a very, it's a very easy answer. He obviously won the race, but the way he won it came through on third, stormed through, nailed his breaking point into turn one and just looks untouchable from there, really. You know, if he went full pelt throughout the race, he could have won it by 30 seconds today, probably, but he just did enough. And like, like a few of you guys have said, it was a champion's drive by him today. It really was a commanding performance. Um, Tom, who's your pick for driver of the day? Well, do you know what
1: I was? I was absolutely convinced before we came on this podcast that I was going to say Carlos Sainz for his his performance, but then I'm falling victim of my own rules, and I say if you make a mistake in the race, then realistically you can't get driver of the day. And the fact is, he did get a bad start, which allowed Charles Leclerc to get past him. So I'm not sure I can give it to him based on that, uh, which is a shame because I think he has had a phenomenal race there. Uh, Verstappen obviously has done well, but again, you know, amazing start. And then controlled the race from there. I think you're, you're right. It's a it's a very very solid answer. But in the interest of trying to be diverse, I'm trying to think of somebody else. The other honourable mentions for me, uh, sounding like a fanboy, would be Lando Norris. Um, drove longer than anyone on those tyres. Uh, had quick pace towards the end, and um, obviously was was going quick enough. To not have to let Lewis Hamilton past because obviously he had much younger tyres, and because the other the other one for me would be Sebastian Vettel. But um, as it's been a bad enough day for McLaren already, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, with Lando Norris as my uh, driver today, just to to get something back from the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> something to show something it's to not show perez
1: it. it's not perez he had the quickest car and he couldn't pass hamilton with 10 laps younger tires
0: it's not Perez. <laughs> you're wrong formula one fans oh no that's the thing they can vote they can vote wherever they want to i'm sure verstappen won it once and he retired after like five laps but <laughs> rio harrianto got... got it once so there you go yeah, he did didn't he and Kubitza. um do who shot to for track of the day
2: uh, I mean, like, you know, Tom listed off a ton of good options. I mean, you know, I, I would a part of me wants to say Lando Norris. I mean, I'm a McLaren fanboy. There's no getting around it. And Lando's my favorite driver on the grid. And going from last to 10th, you know, doing everything he could, getting a point, good on him. Um, you know, I'd like to say Gasly as well, because Gasly didn't put a foot wrong all weekend. Uh, not only driver of the day, but he took advantage of the re- like of the start and he just planted that Afatari in the right place at the mm-hmm. right time. Um, the entire race, giving himself some good points and consistently showing his form. Um, once again, I'm going to agree with Tom. It's not Sergio. I mean, he couldn't pass. You're you're right. He couldn't pass Lewis Hamilton with 10 laps, fresher tires and a better car that was more suited to the track. It's just, come on, you have DRS for like five laps. How do you not get by him? Um, especially on a track where there's one zone for one detection zone for two DRS zones. Makes no sense. Um, if I had to pick one guy, I feel like I'm going to be a little bit different. He didn't really do anything spectacular today, but I'm going to go with Pierre Gasly. Just the fact he didn't put a foot wrong. He put an AlphaTauri that realistically is probably the fifth or sixth best car in P4, did not put a foot wrong, did everything they could have asked him for. Uh, and ever since getting knocked out of Red Bull, I've had a soft spot for that guy. And the fact that he's showing Christian Horner and he's showing Helmut Marko how dead wrong they were to take him out of that seat, I'm going to go with Pierre Gasly.
1: You are right. I completely forgot about Gasly as well. So that would have been another
0: mention. So good shout. That's, that's the thing about Gasly, though. The fact that he's finished fourth today is not that big of a surprise. It's not like, whoa, how the hell has he done that? He's done it multiple times throughout the season. Been so, doing it a lot. He has been. And he, he just, he's just carried out I don't know what mm-hmm. the points ratio is between the two drivers. but It's got to be something like 8% Gasly, 20% Sonoda. Um, but there we go. Uh, Phil, who's your pick?
3: Yeah, I was thinking Gasly uh, as my pick, but I'm going to just do it because I don't think I'll be able to, and I don't usually get him uh, during the recap. I'm going to give it to Kimi Raikkonen because that mm. car is dog crap. Uh, outside of the Haas, it's the worst car on the grid, and he's been at, doing this you know, on and off all year, and he sneaks points while his teammate, who's, of course, not going to have a job, uh, next year, he's retired. I mean, Kimi Räikkönen's retiring. We joke around about him and his, his being focused and really caring. Well, he still does. Great start, ran the Grand Prix well, was up there with his compatriots Alonso and Vettel for a lot of the race and and took the most out of a race where you weren't going to – I mean, Alpha had no chance, I figure, of getting points uh, with, with a, rec- a healthy – Ricardo car and, and, uh, what do you call Valtteri Bottas? But neither of them are there, you know, there's stuff going on. Sonoda was another fast car. So to make that likely one of the, my, I mean, we said that a couple of races ago, it's likely Kimi Raikkonen's last point score. Well, he's got a point score here. Who knows there's four races to go might pull something out of his butt again, you know, like, it, cause he's a great driver um and on his walk-off shot at least he's showing he still has something in him so um credit to Kimi here I'll give him a driver my driver of the day because to do it in that car it says a lot absolutely yeah and
0: as usual we can't decide on anything we don't agree on anything we've given four different choices for a drive of the day um But if you guys want to put your pick for driving in a day, you can put it in the comments in a video, or you can put it in the live chat as well. Do go live out on YouTube as well. Over 300 subscribers on there, which is, you know, it's amazing to see how much that has grown recently. Fantastic. Um, I'll give you guys all a chance to uh, plug your podcast as well, because you're all three of you are members of different podcasts. So starting with you, Tom, what is the monkey seat? And apparently it's on Instagram, Facebook, and is is that that Tumblr? Is that Twitter, that T? (laughs) <laughs> it's Twitter. It's Tumblr. <laughs> Does Tumblr even exist anymore? I don't. have no
1: idea, but yeah. I've just never seen yeah. Twitter shown as a T. Yeah. It's normally the bird. Yeah. Oh, you you can come and you can come and see us on our Bebo profile. <laughs> 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 MSN. Uh. Yeah, for the younger listeners, Bebo was the thing that uh, <laughs> preceded Facebook. Uh, yes, no, so we're um, uh, Monkey Seat Podcast. It's myself and Carl, two laid-back mates having a, having a laugh and talking about Formula One and, and swearing a little bit more than on this podcast occasionally as well. So if you want a bit more a bit more laid-back, not quite as uh, laid-back as Phil's, which I'm sure you're going to get to, but uh, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we we chat all kinds of stuff about Formula One and we we talk about other motorsport as well. Uh, get some decent guests on occasionally as well when we're, when we're not completely in insanely busy and have time to organise these things. But uh, yeah, uh, you see us after most races uh, talking stuff and uh, talking all-star all Formula 1 and all motorsports. So yeah, come and, come and give us a listen at Monkey Seat Pod.
0: Yeah, that's one of the beauties of the Monkey Seat Podcast. They cover a lot of things outside of Formula 1 as well. And the banter and the chemistry between Tom and Carl is, well, it's, it's something special. Um, as is the uh, the banter and the and the connection between uh, Jonah and Spencer as well for the, uh, the Soft Tire Podcast.
2: Yeah. Uh, real quick shout out before I actually plug the Soft Tire Podcast. Happy birthday, Spencer. Uh, it's his 19th birthday today. Um, so happy, happy birthday, birthday to our boy. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to come on over, we we are over at the Soft Tire Podcast. It's me and two other buddies, uh, three 19-year-old Canadian guys that just like Formula one and like talking and it's a it's a good excuse for us to chat with each other every week so we don't lose touch um, it's me uh, Spencer and Damien uh, just three buddies and we love to talk about formula one and a bunch of really weird stuff that comes to our heads uh, like Tom uh, on the Z podcast has some guests on. Uh, we, we have some guests on occasionally. Um, we actually just recently had Tommy WTF one, the founder and creator of WTF one YouTube channel on uh, where we talked about canceling time zones. Uh, so if you guys like talking about weird stuff and you like formula one, I'd suggest you come, come give us a listen. Uh, it's at the soft tire podcast on Instagram or at the soft tire on Twitter. Shoot us a message, anything like that. Uh, all support is greatly appreciated and happy birthday, Spencer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, happy birthday to spencer as well he's 19 and that makes you feel very old not gonna lie um <laughs> he's disgusting. actually it's actually the it's actually the legal drinking age here in canada so he's now officially legal gotta be than <laughs> then my friend go and enjoy it legally exactly
1: yes. <laughs> me. you're too young
0: <laughs> You yes. turn
1: 40 next month uh that's not a bad thing <laughs> <laughs>
0: well i think we've mentioned the grip strip podcast a few times but where is uh, what
3: is that and where can people find it yeah grip strip podcast myself and josh uh we uh talk about all things racing as long as it goes fast we talk about it on the grip strip podcast Uh, not only uh american racing of course formula one we spend a lot of time on but open wheels stock cars sports cars you know, I and mean, we also talk about the NFL, other sports, and other you know topics that really are are pressing in in what's going on in our uh, society. So we talk about that on the Grip Strip Pod. I'm at Philip G. Matthew. Josh is at J.P. Huffine. The Twitter handle grip at Grip Strip Pod. Philip G. Matthew.com. You can find us there. Um, we're on most places where you can get podcasts. Um, and uh, thanks again, George and crew, for having me on again, um, even after I mixed up the times because of uh, freaking daylight savings time. So apologies for that, but uh, thank you again. Um, and looking forward to the next four races.
0: Well, if Tom and Jonah had their way, there would be no time zones. So, you know, that wouldn't be a problem. And that's definitely a plus. You can get filled right from the start of the. <laughs> the grid podcast today but there we go no definitely check out all these guys show i've been on all of them as a guest uh, a few times in some cases and yeah definitely laughs definitely definitely good entertainment uh from all these guys uh like i mentioned as well we do have a store of our own f1 chronicle.com slash store. if you want to check out some of the merchandise including this one of these shirts as well that i'm very handily modeling um <laughs> um uh, and yeah we're also available on uh youtube spotify apple music amazon music verbal omni studio and pocket cash just search for the f1 grid talk and all of those and um, we of course we do go out live on the youtube as well and check our twitter at f1 chronicle to see when the shows will be going live we'll be back tomorrow as well from 8 p.m british time 8 p.m uk time now the clocks have gone back it's no longer bsc i don't know what it is i think it's gmt or something like that these days um, and, yes, check out our back catalog of shows as well. Over 100 episodes now for you guys to get through it. Getting very close to 150. I think number 150 will be the uh, Brazilian Grand Prix sprint qualifying or the sprint or the sprint race, whatever it's known as now. Uh, and, yeah, thank you very much for joining us, lads, and Tom's cat. Really do appreciate it. He, he enjoys
1: thank it. Thank you. He, he enjoys yeah. the
3: exposure. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. He needs his own Twitter handle. He, he does, yeah. The, the monkey seat cat.
0: and yes we'll be back tomorrow to preview the brazilian grand prix and until we see you for that one thank you very much and bye-bye